to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Today, again, we're just doing one service. Um, a few people were here early, and that's okay, too. We had some nice fellowship out in the foyer and drink some coffee. And um, So we've got some of our kiddos in with us um, this morning, so just extend some love to them and to their parents as well. Next week, we'll be back on track with our 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock services. We have children's ministry at 11 o'clock, um, and we're getting ready to open up another room. Uh, that'll be open for next uh, Sunday as well. So that's awesome that we're expanding and growing in our children's ministry. Um, and, and just kind of a reminder is why we do two services. Uh, one, it, it's so we can attend one and serve one. It's mostly for our children's workers and, and our servants, those who are serving. The whole idea is they give them an opportunity to come to church and then give them an opportunity to go and serve. And so just know there was a, a comment made and somebody was asking, well, we don't just go to one service. Um, we did talk about it as a board um, and just feel confident in the Lord's leading that we stay steady as we go with the 9 and 11 o'clock service. So we'll be back on track with that next week in the book of Revelation. Um, if you have any questions about that, please come talk with me face to face. We'd love to chat with you about it. Uh, this year, Caleb kind of touched on it. As we talk about loving God and loving each other as a church, that's kind of our main foundation. But as we moved into this facility, uh, we added that piece of, of make disciples. And then we want to develop self-discipline within that. And so as a church, uh, we start the year out once again. We've done this every year with 40 days of prayer. I encourage you guys to engage in that, to become a person of prayer. And you're going to hear about prayer for the next few weeks as we start each Sunday morning. And then again, reading through the Bible in a year, becoming a person of the book, becoming somebody who knows what God's word says and how it applies to your life and how you can apply it to, to daily things that come up. So I encourage you to watch for that, be engaged in that. Um, whatever 2023 looks like, we want to start with a proper perspective. And that fits in perfectly with today's message. Um, tonight, I, I encourage you to be here for prayer at 6 o'clock and, and to check the prayer blog and to watch. We're going to have a Friday blog as well uh, for the Bible reading. Um, so be checking the website and watch what's in there underneath the resources. And just use that as a tool to encourage you and just to saturate yourself with God's word and, and just godly counsel. Amen? Amen. Website, foothillscalvary.org. You guys can all get there, I'm pretty sure. All right, let's get into the teaching for today. But first, we're going to pray. We're going to pray our four prayer points. One, pray that God speaks to you individually. Two, Pray that God speaks to those next to you, in front of you, behind you, even those online. Uh, three, pray for someone who maybe doesn't know the Lord and, and is dialing in or is in this building today, and then that God would draw them into a relationship with him. And then four, pray for me, that I'm obedient to what God has put on my heart this morning. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for the freedom we have to be here today. We thank you um, for yet another year to serve you, another year to, 
to put behind us. And we thank you for what you've done this last year in and through our lives. And this morning, Lord, as we step into this new year, 2023, we ask God that you would speak to us starting today. Speak to us individually. Meet us at our point of need, God. You know where each person in this room is. And speak to us corporately as a church body that we may be in unity as we get into your word and as we spend time in prayer. Lord, draw those that don't know you into relationship with you, Father. May they hear your word and your voice. May they move at the prompting of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I do ask that you speak to me and through me. Lord, bring direction and correction and let me be obedient to what it is you've put on my heart for this morning. And we give you the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 2023. Sounds strange, doesn't it? Any of you 23 years old? Just checking. Less than 23. There's a lot of less than 23 in here. Um, we want to start with the proper perspective. We, we want to remember that as we close out 2022 and we start 2023, we have to remember from the very get-go that the one who is on the throne is not going anywhere. He does not change. He is everlasting. He is in control. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And he has his creation in his hands. God is in control. As we step into that new year, God is in control. He's never lost control. He's never let go. We're not just spinning helplessly through the universe. God is in control. How many of you fulfilled all that you wanted to do last year? <laughs> like me, man, I got it all. You need to show me how to do that. How many of you followed through with New Year's resolutions you made last year? I think Jack said it out there. He's like, you made the New Year's resolution on the first and it was gone by the third. How many of you got everything done that you wanted to get done last week? Hey, that's good. Good job. Hey, okay. I didn't even do that. You know, we're, we're in that week. We just kind of came through that week where we're between Christmas and New Year's, and we all kind of forget what it is we're supposed to do. Like the schedule gets goofy, and what day is it today, and what am I supposed to do, and where am I supposed to be, and how am I supposed to get there? We kind of forget. I don't personally make New Year's resolutions the reality is that we should be talking to God on a daily basis and setting goals daily, weekly, monthly. But in that, uh, we continually lay them down before the Lord. And I've shared with you before, I've, with my kids, I had them always write down their goals each year. Give me a one-year, three-year, five-year goal. What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? And then we would pray over those things and just kind of lay them down before the Lord. I do the same thing in biblical counseling. However, this year I've shifted to one month, three month, five month goals of, because of how overwhelming life seems to have gotten for people because of COVID. Regardless of the time frame, it's good for us to write things out and to pray over them. In the new year, it, it's a good starting point. It's a time to reset, to take a breath, and then to go. We need to pray. Lord, may your will be done in and through everything I do this year, and may you be glorified in it. And God doesn't make, God doesn't make New Year's resolutions. 
He spoke creation into existence, and that very breath of life sustains all of creation every year. It sustains everything, including you and I. You see, God accomplished all that he wanted to when he spoke creation into existence. And to me, that's mind-blowing. The author and creator of everything we know, he spoke it into existence, and it's still here. However, God does make promises. He gives us promises in his word. One scholar says there's 8,810 promises in the Bible cover to cover. 7,487 of them are directed to mankind. That's you and me, God's promises. Look at what Peter said in 2 Peter 1.4, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Promises. Promises. A declaration or an assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. A guarantee. A formal promise or assurance, typically in writing, that certain conditions will be fulfilled. How awesome it is that We have the written promises of God that we can hold and that we can read. We have a guarantee in writing. And these are a few. I'm not going to read all 8,000 promises this morning. Just a few. And you should mark them in your Bible. Psalms 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a promise. Amen. Isaiah 1.18, come, now let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. They are like, though they are like red, like crimson, they will be like wool. Or Matthew 11.28 and 29, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And Acts 2.21 Taken from Joel 2.32, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise. One more, Acts 10.43. Of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. You see, these aren't just empty words. They're God's great and precious and magnificent and valuable promises to us in Christ. They're more than words on a page. They're reality. They're a promise. They're a guarantee that can be believed in and that bring hope and brings exhortation to our lives. So the title today of the message and with a subtitle, uh, the, the title is Written Guarantee. The subtitle to that is God is Good, Life is Hard. And our main text is going to be 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8 this morning. So seriously, what, what did your year look like overall? Was it good? Was it bad? Was it indifferent? Neither good or bad? Was it a mixture of both? Some great things happened this year. And some not so great things happened this year. Some hard things happened this year. Some great things happened in your life too, I'm sure. Anyone? There's some good things. We tend to look to the negative though, don't we? That's what we remember and see first. So we have to pause and really think, okay, God, what are those blessings? What are those things that happened this year that are so good? 
A couple years ago, as we had a, a pandemic, it literally shook all of us, the effects of which are still causing waves in our lives. But overnight, life changed. We didn't know what to do. None of us can guarantee anything in life at all, can we? Well, I would say this morning, I can guarantee two things. One, that life is hard. And two, that God is good. Ah. Everything else is speculative. You see, we start usually every morning by saying, God is good, and all the time, right? We say that, and you notice this morning, I didn't open with that. Hmm. You see, this statement is more than a ritual or a sticky note. As I put this message together, it kind of grieved me a bit. We can't let that saying or, or routine lessen the impact and power of knowing and believing that God is indeed good all the time. doesn't matter what we go through. And that life is going to happen, and, and sometimes it's going to be hard. Regardless of our thoughts or our attitudes as we look at life, especially in hard circumstances, we ask a very legitimate question. Am I going to make it through this? We need to shift our stinking thinking, though. And instead, we need to say, what is this going to make me? When we're in the cave, as King David was, is hiding and struggling, you see God was shaping him and well, God is shaping us. God will indeed shape us and our circumstances into something or, or into someone that will glorify him, making you someone that you thought you never could be. And we have to come to terms with the fact that God is good and life is hard. The God is good peace is, is the spot that we should rest in, and, and we have a hard time in that. When God is good and things are really good, we get kind of complacent and forget what we're doing, don't we? It's in those times that God is good that we need to be still and truly know that he is God, and he is in control, and he will help us every step out of the way. The Apostle Paul is seen as a legend in our biblical worldview. God used him in amazing ways to cause growth in the Christian faith. But Paul had amazing struggles and hardships. And just because he was a believer doesn't mean that everything was perfect. You see, the prosperity gospel hadn't been perfected yet. The fact that Paul was still and is still so greatly used by God gives us hope, shows us that God is indeed good. Is that what you think, or, or is he only good when things are perfect in your eyes? No. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. You see, God will use you in uh, your ordinary daily life, and everything that you're going through, he'll, he'll use it to strengthen you and to fulfill his will in your life. He'll use you to speak into others' lives as you walk through hard times. And Paul was an interesting character. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees as to religion and the study of God's word, but he was also a tent maker by trade, an ordinary guy who accomplished extraordinary things. And we'll come back to that in a minute. Second Timothy is most likely uh, the last letter that Paul wrote before he died. He's writing to Timothy, his young protege, his son in the faith. 
We're going to dial into verses 6 through 8 of 2 Timothy 4. Let's read it, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the, the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who loved his appearing. You see, there's a high point of victory in every Christian's life. It's that point where we surrender all to Jesus. It's from that point that we live life in victory, not in perfection. We're not perfect, but we can live in victory. Victory requires endurance, meaning that we all have had life stuff to go through, and we've had to come out on the other side of each struggle with our eyes fixed on God and our faith strengthened. Paul, at the end of 2 Timothy 3, says, You have followed my teaching. This is Scott's paraphrase here. You, Timothy, continue in the faith. Even if you're persecuted, follow my example. He closes out the chapter, uh, chapter 3 with something we need to be aware of daily, especially as we read through the Bible in a year. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. You see, if you're in the word on a daily basis, you can be confident that God is with you in everything that you do, and you'll know how to, to respond in each situation. Throughout history, the Lord chose faithful individuals to communicate his message to the world. And through them, he gave us his word as an instruction book to guide our lives as an immovable anchor to hold us steady in times of storm. The Bible, the final authority for our faith and what we believe which God reveals to us through his Holy Spirit. You see, it is through that biblical worldview, that biblical lens that we look at life. God gave us his word for spiritual growth. The Holy Spirit works through scripture to rebuke and to correct us when we sin, to train us truly in righteousness, to equip us to do his will, to help us grow in his image so we can become effective ambassadors for the gospel. God used Paul to tell Timothy and to tell us, keep going, don't stop. Stay in the word. Stay focused. In verse 7, he said, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've, I've kept the faith. He didn't mention hardship there. You and I probably would have, right? We'd have been right there in that email or that text message. Paul had been kidnapped, beaten, threatened, arrested many times accused in lawsuits, interrogated, ridiculed, ignored, shipwrecked, and bitten by a snake. How was your year? You good? I think I'm pretty good too. Tradition says that Paul was eventually put to death for his work, although it's not recounted anywhere in the Bible, but tradition says that he was beheaded in Rome eventually for his faith. He was martyred. In spite of that, Paul had vision beyond his circumstances. He understood the assignment, the, the calling that's on his life. He, he looked forward to the crown of righteousness that was awaiting, not only for him, but all who love or long for Jesus' return. 
a reward for real believers, not fake believers. Hardship is here in this world and will be as long as we're here or until the Lord returns. We have to keep proper perspective. Paul's belief in Christ was a personal belief. You remember the story, his name was Saul and until a personal encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus. Paul had been persecuting and killing Christians and he literally got knocked off his high horse. There are five things that happened to Paul that impacted him and caused growth in the Christian community. And it's still very true for each of us as we take on this new year. One, Paul had a personal relationship with Jesus. Acts 9.4, he fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God called him by name. He didn't say, hey, buddy, what's your problem? What are you doing? But he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Not why are you persecuting my followers, but why are you persecuting me? And Saul responded in brokenness and humility. I'm not sure he had much of a choice. <laughs> he just had an encounter face-to-face with Jesus. But we see quickly his maturity in Philippians 3, 7 through 8. Whatever things we are to gain to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. For then that more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. He left all behind for Christ. Have you? He left his education. Remember, Pharisee of Pharisees. His, his belongings were left behind. His personal desires were all left behind. Also, he could follow Christ without distraction. Sometimes our greatest earthly strengths and riches become our most terrible weaknesses because they keep us from completely depending on Jesus. Paul realized this, which is why he counted all things to be lost compared to knowing Christ. Likewise, the Lord may call you to give something up that you deem very important so you can grow in your Christian faith. It may be very difficult But take heart and remember that only your relationship with Jesus and what he does through you will last in eternity. Second, Paul had a grace awakening. His eyes were opened. Paul explains in Romans 5, 1 through 8, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
through whom we also have attained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. We exalt in hope of the glory of God. Not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, a perseverance proven character, proven character hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still sinners, while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare to even die. But, listen, God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul literally had that PhD in religious studies. God blew him off of his horse and showed him amazing grace. Even though he had done all those things, grace was extended to him. And because of this, Paul knew that he would suffer hardship. But he also knew that it would be okay. That it didn't matter what he went through. That God was going to be right there for him. He would be forgiven. He would be accepted into God's kingdom for eternity. That's something that we can all count on. God's grace in our lives. It's, a, it's God's grace that connects our hearts with our head knowledge. It's God's grace that shows us what true love really is. He extends his grace over us and he wraps his arms around us no matter where we're at. So because of his personal relationship with Jesus and an understanding of God's grace, Paul was then able to obediently respond to God's direction for his life. You see, now, number three, Paul had a new calling. Paul was called out of the world of sin and self to accomplish God's will, not his will, not Paul's will. Paul gets saved, and God immediately begins to use him to change the world. Now, wait a minute. He needs to go to Bible college and then to seminary, and then... He... No, God began to use him. He was teaching him through the Holy Spirit, and he was being obedient and responding to what God told him to do. He was there to to change the world, to help transition people from, uh, to the new covenant that was in place because of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. The old covenant was no longer in play. You see, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you have received God's grace, not just so you can go to heaven. That's not just your train ticket to heaven. It is so that you can accomplish God's will in and through your life. That's why you're saved. We all have to remember that the calling of God on each of our lives eclipses any earthly pain or any earthly gain that we have. And it's all because of what lies ahead. It's eternity in heaven. Well, that should bring hope. That should bring joy. It should bring peace. We read earlier, Paul considers everything else rubbish compared to the price of knowing Christ. In Ephesians 6, he says, put on the whole armor of God. He brings exhortation. And then the end of that, he says, oh, by the way, uh, I'm here in chains. I'm, I'm suffering a bit, but it's not about me. I'm here to encourage you and to build you up. What is our focus as we're going through life? Philippians 1, 21 through 25, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. 
and I do not know which to choose. I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. To live is Christ, to die is gain. What is our perspective? In verse 19 of Ephesians, he says, uh, uh, of Ephesians 6, he says, pray for me. <laughs> what does he pray? Pray that my chains fall off. Pray that God takes out my guards, that he smotes them. Uh, pray that God would deliver me from these hard circumstances. No. What did he pray? He he prays that God would give him the words. Pray that God will give me the words that I can boldly proclaim the gospel right here where I'm at. He didn't say pray that I get out of here. He said pray that I'm obedient where God has me. That I can boldly proclaim the gospel. Pray that I'm obedient to the calling of God on my life. That should be our prayer as well. God, may I accomplish your will regardless of my circumstances. May I be obedient to you. Because of a personal relationship with Jesus and understanding of God's grace, Paul was able to obediently respond to God's calling on his life because he had that deep understanding of his purpose. That's number four. You see, Paul understood that he had a true understanding of his faith and purpose. He, he knew, he, even though he was an ordinary man. You see, when you, you and I see ordinary, God sees extraordinary. When Samuel went to anoint the next king, he didn't choose David. God did. God chose him because he saw his potential. He saw inside. And in that, David didn't, still didn't have an easy path, though, did he? He made mistakes. He made some big mistakes. Yet God used him to do mighty things. An ordinary shepherd boy who would be king. Something else we have to remember here, we have to re have a clear understanding that when we're going through things, turmoil increases at times. Areas that we struggled in intensify. And maybe you're going through something heavy and, 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 and that marriage, that strain on your marriage relationship kind of increases, right? There's an increased in, in, temptation towards addictions and desire. Spiritual warfare increases because Satan does not want you to understand your true potential as you're going through a hard time. There's an increase of attacks mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Not your own. We're fighting a spiritual battle. It's not just physical that's why we have to be on point in our personal relationship with God. Maybe things this year are pretty easy going. Easy cheesy. Within that, you should be in the word even more. In preparation. Because we know things get hard. We know there's attacks that come. This is where 40 days of prayer and reading through the Bible in a year brings strength because we're diving in and, and we have work to do. We know the enemy's not happy about it because God is glorified through our obedience and lives are changed because we're engaging in our faith at a different level. Within Paul's understanding of being present in ministry where he was, he, 
he probably really didn't know and understand that the words that he was writing to young Timothy would become holy scripture. Scripture that would shape the face of Christianity. You see, God knew where Paul was in a, in a hole of a prison, death at his doorstep, and yet God said, Paul, I'm going to use you right here to bring encouragement to Mike. I'm going to use you right here to, to bring encouragement to Lois, to Nori, to Kiersey. I'm going to use you to bring encouragement to your people, to your creation. I'm going to use you to bring encouragement to people. I'm going to use you to bring encouragement to Scott so he can turn and encourage other believers that, that we may finish our races strong, that we would have a, a focus, a laser focus on who God wants us to be and where God wants us to go, and that we would have amazing fruit. Paul, I'm going to use you in ways you can't imagine. I will use this ordinary man to exhort and encourage all believers. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but through our outer man is de- though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, we have to pay attention to the unseen things. And what we do so quickly is I asked, you know, what, what was good this year versus what was negative. We see the negative first, don't we? We see the, the battle. We see the circumstances. Uh, we have feelings. Feelings. Who needs feelings? Right? We have feelings. And that changes what we do, how we act and react and what we believe at, time, at times. We must seek the Holy Spirit's discernment that we can understand what God is doing in and through what we're going through on a daily basis. The fifth thing is that Paul was convinced of his reward. That's what was driving him. He had no doubt that he would see Jesus face to face when his race was completed. There was a crown of righteousness waiting for him. And not just that, more importantly, he would see Jesus face to face. I think we struggle because we're so caught up with the here and now, we forget about what awaits us in heaven. You see, you also have a crown awaiting you. But the reality is, you and I, we're going to lay those crowns down at Jesus' feet willingly and humbly as we see him and as we see him face to face. And what do we long to hear from him when we see him face to face? Well done my good and faithful servant. Paul, after a hard life, would hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Life is indeed hard. Just look at the scars that Jesus still bears. But Jesus is alive. God is good, even and especially when life is hard. And God will use your circumstances to bring himself glory and draw others into his kingdom. What did your year look like? I guarantee there were bad things in it for sure. I'm not up here this morning because life is easy and God is good all the time. Just name and claim a better life. I'm here this morning 
as a testament of the fact that God is good and life is hard and God is in control always. Always. So we all have a slideshow. Took a while to hone that down so we weren't here for 15 minutes or longer. Like we all have stuff that happened in, in this last year, don't we? There are some amazing things that happen. God is good and life is hard. Both are guaranteed in that you saw a new puppy. You saw Christmas last year, a cancer diagnosis, in and out of the hospital, 100 days in the hospital, Brandon graduating seminary, Pam having a nasty fall in the hospital, Jay becoming a deacon of their church, medicines increased, time with my granddaughters, stem cells given to Pam, oh, baby Olivia was born. Cancer came back again. Made the backyard like a park so Pam could watch the girls play. An experimental drug was introduced. Dance recitals, physical therapy, tube feedings, IV fluids daily, camping in the driveway with the girls. Brandon getting sick, making memories. I'm going to a Lego convention. And ending with Christmas this year, and a 205-pound puppy, and yet another bone marrow biopsy. You see, each of us has a slideshow of life that happens. That's just 365 days. You have the same thing. There have been some amazing things that have happened, some fun things, and some hard things that have happened as well. But knowing that God is good regardless is what helps us make it to the next day. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I was talking with Caleb yesterday about the message for today. He's like, oh, man, I got this Christmas gift from my mom, and I got this great quote about this from my grandpa that fits. I said, oh, okay. I read it, and I'm like, can I read it this morning? So this is from, from Maynard Matthewson, Caleb's grandpa. Are you tempted to quit because the work is too heavy, the difficulty is too great? The discouragement's too numerous. Or have you already decided to throw in the towel and give up? But if one thing has been impressed upon my mind so that I trust I shall never forget it, it is that God rarely leads a person away from a difficult situation. He leads him through it. He does this by granting us a fresh revelation of his might and power and by instilling in us a new sense of determination. By giving us a new assurance of his presence, no matter what the consequences of the trials and tests. In order to experience these blessings, we must be ready and willing to look failure squarely in the face. And by God's grace to keep steadfastly on in the face of seemingly insolvable problems. Remember, as Proverbs 24.10 says, if you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And we thank you that you love us. And God, there are times that we truly struggle with both of these written guarantees. Yes, you are indeed good and life is hard. So Lord, would you strengthen us? Would you help us see the potential that we have and the purpose of our ordinary lives? That it's much greater than we can imagine. 
We thank you for each day when we lay down to sleep. We thank you that we're one day closer to being in your presence, laying our crowns down and hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. May we strive for that. May we be worthy of hearing that. No one has seen how truly good you are and what you have done for those who love you. Thank you that, that you understand that life is hard. and Thank you that you are good. May our hope not be in the new year, but in the very one who makes all things new. That you're the one who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. And as you say in Isaiah 43, you, you tell us to forget the what ifs. Don't, don't worry about the past because you're the one who's doing a new thing. So would you help us to see that day by day as we step into this new year? As you are the one making the road in the wilderness and bringing rivers in the desert. I would ask you this morning, as I do every Sunday, are you confident in your relationship with God? Have you surrendered your life completely and totally to him? Do you know, are you confident that you're going to heaven? Jesus said, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, there are many people who refuse to believe in Christ because they don't want to give up control of their lives. Right now, you know that life is hard, but you need to understand that God is good. Will you not surrender all to him this morning, that you can truly see and understand that he is good and he has great plans for your ordinary life? You see, God does not desire for anyone to perish so he'll use those trials and those struggles and even severe pain to get our attention, to urge us to him. And all of us in this room are sinners saved by grace. He expends that grace to us, each one of us. Salvation through Jesus alone. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. And you can do that this morning whether you're in this room or you're listening online simply by asking God for forgiveness and confessing Jesus as Lord. So with every head bowed and every eye closed if that's you this morning pray something like this Dear God please help me. I can't live like this any longer. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe that you raised him from the dead and because of that I repent. Forgive me of my sins. I turn from them. I'm headed in a new direction starting today. Help me to serve you and to honor you and to share the hope that I now have with everyone you bring to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I encourage you to come talk to me. Let me pray with you and talk to you. If, if you prayed it online, just shoot me an email, scott at foothillscalvary.org, and I'll get back to you. 
has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.